This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting separately from each other in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out our website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. A lot of people out there think we're just uh, just some podcasters, but we also do impact journalism, don't we, Sam? Yeah, sometimes we do. And if the Democrats flip the Senate, which is kind of the chances of that are pretty slim right now. But if they do it, I think they'll have us to thank. Mediaite is reporting that Democrats in North Carolina are running an ad noting how Tom Tillis in 2015 made some inane remarks about how he wished he could let small businesses opt out of rules that force them to place signs in the bathroom that say they make their employees wash their hands. This is one of our uh, early on greatest hits. That has come back to haunt him in a very, very big way in our pandemic world. I think, uh, I think the voters of North Carolina will be particularly repulsed by that right now yeah this is a story we uh first reported uh late 2014 early 2015 early 2015 i like how this story sort of morphed from um tom tillis is this freak libertarian who wants to let businesses opt out of this stuff to tom tillis is just a nasty ass who doesn't wash his hands (laughs) Well, what kind of fucked up person is thinks that that is a good idea or that that it would be any more comforting for people to see signs in the bathroom that say, hey, this this company opted out of the of the hand washing sign rule. What a what a fucking maroon. One thing we weren't right about Canadian coronavirus relief. Evidently, uh, Trudeau bucks the $2,000 month payments in Canada. Uh, They're means tested as shit. So I just wanted to uh, correct that for the record. Still, uh, I think we were correct in noting that Canada does an excellent job of only being slightly better than the United States. (laughs) That's right. Our analysis was better than our actual reporting on the issue all right uh let's see how our reporting goes today it's tuesday april 7th 2020 here's the news there was an incredible five to four ruling out of the supreme court yesterday evening one that will go down in the history books as an all-timer the conservative majority jumped into the wisconsin election fiasco to strike down a district court order that would have extended time for voters to vote by mail thereby offering an alternative to violating CDC guidelines just to be able to vote. The coronavirus pandemic has disrupted election offices in the state, creating a situation in which tens of thousands of people who requested mail-in ballots will not receive them in time to actually vote. The decision by the court was per curiam, meaning it was written anonymously, Somewhat, I guess we uh, know it came from one of the five conservative justices. Ruth Bader Ginsburg penned the dissent for the libs, which we'll read from at length to give you an idea of how fucked up this is. She wrote, while I do not doubt the good faith of my colleagues, she should, by the way, as an aside, she, she very much should. 
The court's order, I fear, will result in massive disenfranchisement. A voter cannot deliver for postmarking a ballot she has not received, yet tens of thousands of voters who timely requested ballots are unlikely to receive them by April 7th, today, the court's postmark deadline. Rising concern about the COVID-19 pandemic has caused a late surge in absentee ballot requests. Ginsburg then hits out at the majority for downplaying the severity of the pandemic, quote, the court's suggestion that the current situation is not substantially different from an ordinary election boggles the mind. Some 150,000 requests for absentee ballots have been processed since Thursday, state records indicate. The surge in absentee ballot requests has overwhelmed election officials who face a huge backlog in sending ballots. As of Sunday morning, 12,000 ballots reportedly had not yet been mailed out. It takes days for a mailed ballot to reach its recipient. The Postal Service recommends budgeting a week, even without accounting for pandemic-induced mail delays. It is therefore likely that ballots mailed in recent days will not reach voters by tomorrow. For ballots not yet mailed, late arrival is all but certain. Ginsburg then says the Supreme Court should have upheld the lower court order, which held that absentee ballots should be delivered to municipal clerks by Monday, not today. Quote, the question here is whether tens of thousands of Wisconsin citizens can vote safely in the midst of a pandemic under the district court's order. They would be able to do so. It's debatable, but save that for another time, I guess. Even if they receive their absentee ballot in the days immediately following Election Day, they could return it with the majority stay in place. That will not be possible. Either they will have to brave the polls, endangering their own and other safety, or they will lose their right to vote through no fault of their own. Basically, Ginsburg and the liberal justices make themselves very clear. Downplaying the threat of the pandemic is a form of voter suppression, Compare the tone of the dissent to this clip of Joe Biden yesterday on MSNBC. We cannot let this. We've never allowed any crisis from the Civil War straight through to the pandemic of 17, all the way around 16. We have never, never let our democracy take second fiddle. We can both have a democracy and elections and at the same time correct the public health. <laughs> I like I like how he says the pandemic of 17 and you're like, what the fuck is he going after? And then you're like, well, maybe he's thinking the pandemic of 1918. And then Joe Biden immediately corrects himself and says the pandemic of 16. And then you're like, well, nope, still don't have any clue what he's getting at here. Uh, wrong direction, bud. Well, in that clip, Biden was trying to say that we can make uh, a balance between doing our elections and our public health. I mean, it sounded like he was trying to say that, although, as always, uh, it seemed like he was barely able to get a coherent thought out. But one small problem is that Biden does not really seem to be taking the public health consideration seriously, considering what he said last Thursday, quote, a convention having tens of thousands of people in one arena is very different than having people walk into a polling booth with accurate spacing with six to ten feet apart, one at a time, going in, and having the machines scrubbed down, end of quote. 
describing a very accurate scene there, no doubt, a scene that definitely exists with famously well-resourced poll volunteers, ample cleaning supplies, and that thing this country is known for at the moment, which is an abundant supply of personal protective equipment. Just beautiful. Biden sounds incredibly similar to Republicans on voter suppression right now, probably because he's trying to bully a left-wing candidate out of the primary. Well, we've already seen videos out of Wisconsin showing scenes at voting precincts, at polling places that look the opposite of how Joe Biden described them. We see long lines, people not uh, outside of six feet from each other, but people packed in line with each other, not everybody wearing masks. And we've know that in a city like Wisconsin that had uh, scores and scores, well over 100 polling places, it's down to five. Uh, so that makes them far more crowded. But look, the, you're talking the, about Milwaukee there, right? Yeah, sorry, Milwaukee. But, you know, at the end of the day, Joe Biden uh, chose his side. He sided with the Republicans in the Wisconsin State Assembly that have maintained that voting is safe and therefore challenged the uh, Democratic governor there, Tony Evers, who decided to postpone the primary yesterday, but was overruled by the Republicans on the state Supreme Court, who Joe Biden also sided with in his comments. And Joe Biden's claims that it's safe to vote also undermine the dissent uh, by the liberal justices on the Supreme Court that ultimately it is not safe to vote, which is why people should have this option to mail in their votes. Uh, Joe Biden just uh, once again showing that he is, uh, when the issue comes up, he's always on the wrong side of it, even if it takes years or just days to figure it out. Because we live in an incredibly stupid reality, I could very much see, and uh, this might be a little morbid, so skip ahead 15 seconds if, if you don't want to hear this, but I could very much see someone going to the polls, voting for Biden, catching the coronavirus, and uh, somehow giving it to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, also, it's been pretty funny watching MSNBC and liberal pundits outraged all day by what's happening in Wisconsin because you can see the clear partisan lines that were drawn beforehand with the Democratic governor standing up and then the Republican Assembly and Supreme Court and then the Republican uh, National Supreme Court uh, intervening here. Um, but they appear to not remember their coverage at all from just a few weeks ago when the partisan lines weren't so clear and Florida and Illinois and Arizona proceeded ahead with elections uh, at the urging of Joe Biden and uh, with the blessing of Tom Perez the chair of the DNC. So, yeah, it's uh, it's infuriating for people who uh, remember the fight from a few weeks ago, now watching MSNBC suddenly outraged about people voting in a pandemic. Everyone's a hypocrite, but you're not supposed to make it so obvious as MSNBC does. Moving on, senators are rapidly responding to the small business bat signal. 
on reports that the $350 billion so-called Small Business Relief Fund included in last month's coronavirus relief bill could run out of money fast, senators are gearing up to add more money to it as soon as this week. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell released a statement Tuesday saying, quote, Congress needs to act with speed and total focus to provide more money for this uncontroversial bipartisan program. I will work with the Secretary Mnuchin and Leader Schumer and hope to approve further funding for the Paycheck Protection Program by unanimous consent or voice vote during the next scheduled Senate session on Thursday. Marco Rubio tweeting out that Mitch McConnell and Schumer are working to add an additional funding to the tune of 200 to $250 billion to this small business program. The program provides loans and grants to businesses with 500 or fewer employees, which is like 6 million businesses. Um, While senators are quick to notice the inadequacies in funding directed to patrons of the Chamber of Commerce, and seem to be working to rectify this within days, there is no such urgency in dealing with the inadequacies in funding for working people or people who've just been laid off, uh, gig workers who are receiving a one-time $1,200 check at some point in the future. We don't know when exactly that $1,200 check is going to come. To be fair, though, Democratic senators have at least put forward a proposal to pay workers who've been deemed essential during the pandemic, a lot more money. The plan calls for up to $25,000 in extra hazard pay for doctors, nurses, grocery store workers, janitors, truck drivers, others forced to work. It would be applied retroactively to when the crisis began and last until this crisis ends. Democrats want the proposal included in the next round of coronavirus relief. You know, the one that will definitely not include this proposal, but will have something like a capital gains tax cut in it. And it will definitely have just fucking fork loads of money for the small businesses, even though, as we noted yesterday, they've given been given blanket legal immunity uh, from complying with laws on sick leave and paid leave during the pandemic even though they can apply for hardship exemptions if they want to. It doesn't matter. Congress just, boom, gave them the blanket. Uh, You hate to see it, folks. You hate to see it. (laughs) President Trump can't stop fighting with independent government watchdogs at the moment. On Friday, he fired the intelligence community inspector general, Michael Atkinson. Atkinson irked Trump by informing Congress about the whistleblower complaint that led to the impeachment inquiry. Then last night at a White House coronavirus briefing, Trump blasted the inspector general from the Department of Health and Human Services. This was for the report we discussed on the show yesterday, a survey of 323 hospitals detailing widespread medical supply shortages Listen to part of this exchange Trump had with reporter Kristen Fisher from Fox News, of all places. Did I hear the word inspector general? Really? Uh, It's wrong. And they'll talk to you about it. It's wrong. But this is your own government. Uh, It's, well, where did he come from, the inspector general? What's his name? It came from the inspector general. No, what's his name? What's I don't name? know his name. Well, off the find top me of his my name. Head. Let me know, okay? If but, you find me his name, I'd appreciate it. But, sir. The woman overseeing the report, Christy Grimm, has been in the civil service since 1999. She was appointed to her current position by the Trump administration itself. Trump will probably still look for a way to fire her. Other reporters followed up, and the president 
was not happy about it. This brings us to today's news. President Trump stripped the acting Pentagon Inspector General of his title. Glenn Fine is set to return to his permanent position at the Department of Defense as Deputy Inspector General. What that means is that Fine will not be eligible to lead oversight of the coronavirus relief stimulus. As with many matters related to Trump, it's hard to tell if the president is being motivated by petty squabbling or self-dealing, probably both. Fine had been appointed to chair oversight of the $2.2 trillion stimulus by an obscure interagency oversight body called the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency. On Friday, the council chair had publicly criticized Trump for firing Michael Atkinson. The chair, DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz, released a statement praising Atkinson, vowing to, quote, continue to conduct aggressive independent oversight of the agencies that we oversee, including the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. The extent to which Trump is self-dealing here, we'll probably find out soon. One possible thread, the New York Times reported last night that the president owns a stake in a French manufacturer of hydroxychloroquine, the malaria medicine and unpro- the malaria medicine and unproven cure that the president keeps hyping up at his coronavirus task force press conferences. Well, that would be a huge fucking shock, huh? Him hyping up hydroxychloroquine makes, you know, there was two reasons I thought one of two things going on here, either A and probably a little bit of both. A, this is a a drug that's been out a while. There's a generic version. It's a low-cost drug, and it's been shown to be relatively harmless compared to other drugs you can just come up with off the top of your head to start treating people with. Um, And the administration is just looking for silver bullets or something that they can push out fast and cheap to people to make it look like they have some treatment plan here, whether they do or not. Or B, Trump was just making money off of it and uh it turns out it's probably b and you know probably a little bit of a too yeah it's probably both it, it it's hard to tell with a guy like trump and um i don't think it's a it's a particularly large financial stake it's probably just one of those things where Apparently, the president's family's trusts has investments in a mutual fund. And that mutual fund's largest holding is the manufacturer of the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. Is that the same one as the uh, so, the French company, the Sanofil? Yes, yes, that's the same one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of, a, I guess, a, a bit of a downstream investment. But still, uh, the president stands to financially gain if this company suddenly gets all these huge contracts to treat coronavirus. Anyways, that's the show. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a brand new edition of Chip Chat on tomorrow's show. Chip Gibbons talks about his latest report published in The Intercept about the FBI spying on a domestic Palestinian solidarity organization. You don't want to miss that. That's coming out tomorrow. We've got Means Morning News, a brand new edition of that on Thursday morning that you can tune in and watch by subscribing to Means TV. We'll be back with the Garbage Can on Friday's subscriber show that you can watch at patreon.com slash district sentinel. I think that uh, is the rundown. We will remain here in D.C. so you don't have to be.